Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter number 18. And we're going to get back into our study in the book of Acts. We Last time we were there was the end of November. And we're going to jump back in. And for the next several months, we're going to plow ahead in this on uh, this book uh, verse by verse and study it. And we're going to kind of uh, lean into our series uh, here a little bit for this, uh, this, coming, uh, this coming quarter or so. And I want to just encourage you to think about this. We've been considering this matter that we are conquerors, not through ourselves, but through him. Now, oftentimes we think about being a conqueror as a Christian. We say, I'm a conqueror. I, I got this. No, he's got this. We don't have anything. He ha- has everything. He has all strength. And as we consider the book of Acts... It really is a continuation of what Jesus Christ began while he was here on earth. And as such, he did that uh, through his spirit, through his church. It's by his spirit, through his church. You know, nothing's really changed in the world today. Jesus still wants to do exceeding wonderful things in the world today through his church. That is the ordained institution of this day for which God is, through which God is getting the gospel into the world, through which God is working in the world, is through the church, through assemblies like us, through his church across the world, those that have placed faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we look at the book of Acts, don't look at it as a historical, a historical account. It is, but don't look at it just as a historical account. It is much more than that. It is, it, it is sharing what Christ wants to do in the world, what he did then and what he continues to do through his church today. Uh, the book of Acts just ends. It doesn't, it's, it's not concluded. The book of Acts just kind of uh, trails off because it continues. It continues forward because God is still moving in the church today. And so I want to subtitle uh, our continuing uh, trek through the book of Acts in these next months, The Triumphs of Christ by his spirit through his church. Are you his church today? I, I, don't, I don't believe you by that response. Are you his church today? Yes. Amen. If you're saved, you're part of his church. And uh, when we are part of his church, we're identifying with Jesus Christ, his church, with, his, with him himself, with his doctrine, and with a body of believers, a local body of believers like this. And so he's still working today. And we're going to learn about his triumphs today in Acts chapter 18. So be there right after we hear the song. We'll stand and read uh, Acts chapter 18. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus says, my portion, my constant friend is he. 
His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear, and resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. this morning, Acts chapter number 18, and then let's stand, and children, fourth grade and below, you're dismissed at Children's Church, come back tonight for Children's Spotlight, and we're going to have a good time in the evening service, can't wait for the evening service, we're going to be talking about our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for me, and so we're going to talk about that tonight, that's something to end the day on, so be back at 6 o'clock this evening, 5.30 for our prayer time right here in the auditorium. Acts chapter number 18, and we're going to read down from verse number 1 uh, down through verse number 18. And So let's read together here. Uh, listen as I read. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found certain, uh, Jew, a certain Jew there, Aquila, born of Pontus, lately come from Italy, 
with his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And I'll just mention that, you know, sometimes even when there's political dynamics happening in a country, God allows and works through those political uh, things, those political happenings to, uh, to get his people where he wants them, as he did here in verse number two, and came unto them. Paul uh, came to them. Verse three, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for by their occupation. They were tent makers, and he reasoned in the synagogue, the synagogue being the Jewish place of worship. They needed 10 Jewish men in a city in order to, uh, to establish a Jewish uh, synagogue and to, uh, to help support it. So there were at least 10 uh, Jewish men, families in uh, Corinth. Every Sabbath they were there, verse 4, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus, Paul's partners, were come from Macedonia, from the north, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was who? Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook their raiment, his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. I get kind of the mental picture, maybe a, a strip mall, a, a shopping strip mall, and so we have, uh, we have the synagogue meeting in one part, and we have Justice's house right next door. Uh, it was hard joined, so they're very close together. In Crispus, verse 8, the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. Wow. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. They identified with Jesus Christ publicly. Verse 9. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak. Hold and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Read that phrase out loud with me. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio, the deputy of Archaea, that's the region, the Jews, uh, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat saying, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law, specifically their established law, their rules and traditions, their creeds, and so on. Verse 14, And when Paul was now uh, about to open his mouth, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, if this was a legal matter or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason, would that I should bear with you. I should go along with what you're suggesting. Verse number 15, but if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it. For I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. How about a, a turning of the tables? Then all the Greeks, catch this verse, then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, he's the successor of Crispus, 
and beat him before the judgment seat, and Galileo cared for none of those things. Wait a minute, Paul was supposed to be being the one that was beaten and persecuted, but now it's Sosthenes. And Paul, verse 18, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took leave of the brethren, and he sailed on in his missionary journey. Let's stop there. Let's ask God's blessing on our time together. Father, thank you again for the privilege of prayer to enter into your throne room and to boldly just ask you for help right now. We need your help. Lord, we are, we are you created us as spiritual uh, creatures. We need, uh, we need a connection with you. We need a relationship with you desperately. And there might be some here today that don't yet have that relationship with you. I pray that you would help them to come to you by faith. But Lord, for each one of us, we need that refreshing. I, I'm reminded of just the, the rain that was on the, on the plants this morning and just thinking how you refresh the earth with rain. Would you now refresh our souls spiritually with the, with the dew of heaven, with the word, your word, into our hearts? Would you refresh us? Would you strengthen us? Would you guide us so that we might please you this week, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. So I want to catch us up to speed with where we are uh, in this, this, uh, this journey uh, through the book of Acts. It's a wonderful, wonderful book as we've described. Here in the book of Acts, we realize that Jesus died on the cross about 33 AD. Uh, he ascended 50 days after. He went on back, um, back to heaven, and uh, he told his people to wait, his, uh, his followers, the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples, along with those that, that believed on him, to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. So they went and waited in an upper room, about 120 there, and God came, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And when we're talking about that, he came and indwelt them. From that time forward, when you receive Jesus Christ, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're not waiting for him to come. He comes at salvation. But they, as this is a transitional time, were waiting and praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The church is now empowered the church is now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't um, come alongside. He dwells within them to, uh, to indwell them and to fill them when, uh, as they yield to him. And so they're indwelt. And so as they have that, that um, the Holy Spirit come upon them, we know the day Pentecost when Peter stands up now empowered by the Holy Spirit. He preaches to a crowd there in Jerusalem and 3,000 people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Acts 2 in verse number 41, then they that gladly received the word, they heard the word of the gospel, uh, then they that gladly received the word uh, uh, were um, baptized and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So they were saved they were baptized, and then they identified with the, the church body as, a, as a, a follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that they were perfect. They identified with the, um, with the, the family of God in that place, that local expression. So they, they gather together. There's 3,000 there, and this continues on. More and more being saved every day at the end of Acts chapter number 2. More and more being saved as God is adding the church. Pretty soon God begins to multiply the church as God's people were witnessing in the community, as God allowed persecution to come into their lives in Acts chapter number 8, and spreads them everywhere, and the gospel begins to go throughout the then-known world in marvelous ways. Well, we have Stephen killed, uh, Acts chapter 8 and 9. We have Stephen killed, and it was just a, a real sad situation for the church because it was the first martyr of the church beyond Jesus Christ, and uh, but it didn't stop the gospel. Now this man Saul comes to the Lord 
as he's going up to Damascus to persecute the believers up there. He had the spiritual authority from the chief priest there in Jerusalem. Now he's going out, branching out. He's going to hail men and women out of their houses. It didn't matter to him. He didn't care about babies. By the way, you see some of what goes on in the world today against Christianity. They don't care about women. They don't care about children. Uh, it's all alike. If they're infidels, they don't, uh, they don't care. The same type of thing was going back, on back in the early church's day as well. We see this across the world. Great persecution against the church. So Paul is on his way, and we find at about 35 AD, Paul is converted on the road to Damascus. God shows up on his pathway. Now listen, God can change anyone. If he can change Saul, he can change anyone. Anyone that you're praying about, any world leader, any persecutor of believers, he can change them. We need to have hope about that. We need to pray for that. But God showed up in Paul's life. Jesus personally appears in front of Paul, and, and what, is, what, is, uh, what, is Paul, uh, what does Paul have to say about that? You know, Lord, uh, Lord, and he acknowledges who he is. What wilt thou have me to do? And, and the Lord identifies himself. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But we find that Paul is converted on, that, on the road to Damascus. He believes on Jesus Christ, and he is never the same. Never the same. In fact, he even changes his name so that he's identified differently. So he's now Paul, uh, and which has the idea of, of small. Uh, he, he realized before he was very haughty, going around persecuting those of the, the way, those that follow Jesus Christ, but now he is small in his own eyes and just realizes his own need before God and identifies himself in that way. And you know what's amazing to me? 13 years later, 13 years later, we find him in, in Corinth. Do I have the math right and everything? It's not that long before he is, he is, immediately after he's converted, he's preaching. But it's not that long till he is being mightily used of God in the world to bring many people to the Lord. Listen, you don't need to be saved a whole long time before, before you can witness the people and bring people to Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? And friends, if we've been saved 20 years and longer, listen, we, have, we need to be earnest like Paul was about the, um, the work of the Lord and the mission of the Lord. His mission in the world is the most important mission, bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But what's amazing to me is all the way through the book of Acts, as we follow the Apostle Paul from Acts 9 forward, we see God constantly triumphing over the obstacles, over the opposition, all that was going on. Constantly, God is just triumphing in amazing ways. And hence, we just have titled or subtitled the rest of the series, The Triumphs of Christ by His Spirit through His Church. It wasn't just in the Apostle Paul, but it was even in the life of the church, many of those that were, that were, um, that were uh, seeing the Lord work through them as believers. Now, Paul is on... A second missionary journey. And I want us just to, to remember uh, this for just a moment. He's on the second missionary journey that started in Antioch uh, uh, of Syria. And so he goes up uh, Lystra, Iconium. Uh, he goes back into this area of Asia where he is confirming and encouraging the, the saints from his first missionary journey. Basically, his first missionary journey was up in that, uh, up in that area. And uh, it was also on, on, on Cyprus and so on. But he's up in that area. Uh, by the way, he was stoned up there. 
Uh, he knew what persecution was all about. But he goes back, and, and this is where he finds Timothy, and Timothy joins him on this second missionary journey. And they remember the Lord guides them, don't go, um, don't go this way, don't go this way, uh, but go over into Macedonia. He had, a, he had a, uh, just the direction of the Lord, giving him direction over into Macedonia, which is up where Philippi is. And so he travels from Troas up to Philippi, Amphipolis, and he's traveling up there, and yes, he's still facing opposition up there, but God had clearly led him there, and uh, Philip and or, uh, 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 Silas and Timotheus are with him, Timothy is with him, and they continue to travel on. By the way, as the persecution moved him along, he just kept on going to the next place. That's how Paul worked. He preached the gospel, and he was persecuted, and he moved on to the next place. And by the way, God didn't stop working in those places where he's persecuted. God just, word just kept on going forward through the believers that were there. And so we find him being led by the, um, the Berean believers all the way down the coast there to Athens, another very interesting city, and now we are at Corinth. Now, Barnabas and John Mark are in Cyprus because the team divided. So Paul is in Corinth, and he has Timotheus and Silas with them. Barnabas and John Mark are down in Cyprus, and the, the work of the Lord is going forward in these areas. Do you see how quickly God was working his gospel from Jerusalem all the way across Asia, up into Macedonia, down into that peninsula, into Achaia? God's gospel was moving very, very rapidly in those days. And so there in Corinth, we find Paul is there just Years after his, his conversion, he is giving himself wholly to the work of the Lord, and he's committed in a very, very powerful way. And what I want to just propose to you today as we discover the life of the Apostle Paul or track it here for, for a few moments, I want us just to, to remember this, that it is the Lord that opens up doors. Uh, the reason Paul was where he was is because the Lord closed doors and opened up doors. Now, are you with me about that? Sometimes we get really antsy about closed doors, don't we? Uh, Miss Edith, where are you? I think you were the one that gave my wife uh, the uh, gave my wife the uh, the the wall hanging. Uh, do you remember this? Uh, the wall hanging, and it's above our back door in our, our kitchen. And I, I I looked at it this morning. Dear Lord, if there is a door I should not go through, please close it, lock it, nail it shut, surround it with barbed wire, put a refrigerator in front of it, and, and a guard dog with nothing uh, nothing to lose. Okay, and so sometimes we, <laughs> I've had more people come and take pictures of that, that one plaque in my home. Uh, why? Because sometimes we are really eager to go through closed doors, but we're looking for the open doors. You're looking for the open doors that God has for you this week. It may not be the door that you have your eyes on, but we're looking for the open door, and we find that Paul is in the place that he is because God had made the way, not Paul. God had made the way. In fact, Paul would not be there if he had not listened to God in, uh, up in Asia and saying, don't go here. Don't go over to Bithynia. Don't, uh, don't go over, uh, over into uh, Asia. I want you to go to Macedonia. And up in Macedonia, follow the closed doors and open doors and go down to, to Corinth. So he is here in Corinth for a reason. And we can learn much of the life from the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul in this place. Notice, first of all, in verse number five, Paul is consumed with Christ's mission. 
Paul is consumed with Christ's mission. What, with a burdened heart. Did you notice Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia. They come down. They rejoin Paul uh, because they were separated. They had some work to do up there in Macedonia, probably confirming the churches that were up there and the believers and discipling them. So he is, he is back together with his ministry team. He was working with, with uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, but now he is back with his ministry team, Silas and Timotheus. And notice this, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Say that out loud with me. Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Pressed. He was pressed. Now, as I mentioned, up until this point, he was bivocational. He was working and some of that just seemed to be the way that the Lord led in that area. Some of it was by, um, by practicality. Uh, he he uh, was uh, living on little, and so he worked and was not afraid of that. He did not want to be chargeable to the, to the Corinthians. He wanted to work. But you know what? It's amazing about how God does this. He allowed Paul to interact with the people of Corinth in business setting. And to get to know the culture, and to get to know where things were, he allowed, them to, uh, allowed Paul to interact. And so Paul was doing that until Silas and Timotheus came and encouraged him and supported him. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse number 9 that part of uh, 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 the encouragement that came down from Macedonia was that the churches up in Macedonia brought an offering or sent an offering down for the Apostle Paul. So one of the reasons that Paul was now able to um, put aside the tent making and go into full-time preaching of the gospel there in Corinth was the churches up in Macedonia were helping him, uh, were, were funding that, and uh, Timotheus and Silas were the, the carriers of that offering, and just like we uh, helped Brother Treadway, and we're praying that he gets his visa, just understand that we still today function in that same way in the world today. We, as God's people, get to fund and help the ministry of the gospel go forward in a, in a, uh, in a way that uh, is unhindered. Ministry is not an eight-to-five um, profession. Uh, it's a 24-7 calling, and that 24-7 calling does not release a person from financial burdens. So Paul had financial burdens, yet God's people came around him and helped him. So here's the amazing thing. There in Corinth, Paul has a burden for the Jews. Everywhere he went, he went to the synagogue. Uh, even in Philippi, when there was no synagogue, he went to the, the, the side of the river where there were those worshiping. He was always going to the synagogue. Why? Because God told him to. Go to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. But there, inside of this city, as the people began to reject, and we'll see that in a moment, we find that Corinth was a city of sin. In fact, the word Corinth, uh, they had a, a saying in those days, to Corinthianize was to commit whoredom. So it was synonymous, being inside of that city was synonymous with all sorts of sexual deviation and, and, and perversion and wrongdoing. By the way, God wants us to be pure. And so here inside of this city, it was rampant all around. We live in a pornographic society, do we not? It's disgusting what is being allowed. Uh, I was in a hotel, and in the main lobby of the hotel, I had to go and ask the front clerk, hey, can we turn that off? Because that is, that is, that is wrong. I mean, that is really wrong what's um, being portrayed on that. And they just said, well, there's nothing, nothing big about that. Now, I was, I was kind and gracious about it. I just asked if we could shut it off. But we live, there's pornography everywhere, through stores everywhere. Corinth was that way. The word, when you say, said Corinth, it, it was just synonymous with a very loose lifestyle. Fornication, adultery, 
immorality of all kinds. And so it was, it was synonymous with that. But here's the amazing thing. Paul is there. He's observed this in the business setting. And now as he has the funding and the encouragement of his ministry team, the Bible says he is what in his spirit? He's pressed. Have you ever been pressed in your spirit? A good illustration of that, you're aggravated. Have you ever been, has anyone been aggravated this week? All right, some are raising their hands high. You know what I mean? That's being pressed in the spirit. Like you're just like, I can't get rid of this. I'm, I'm, I'm aggravated, I'm pressed, I'm, I'm upset in my spirit. You know the heaviness of being pressed in the spirit. Now here, this was not something Paul worked up in his own, in his own heart and it wasn't something that he could push away. It was an ongoing pressing in his spirit by the Holy Spirit. Uh, hey, there's a need here. These people have a spiritual need you need to address. And so I ask us today, are we like the Apostle Paul who is pressed in the spirit when we look around at the godlessness? Does, does the society in which we live and all the godlessness and the deceit that is surrounding us and the corruption that's surrounding us, does it press you in the spirit? Does it cause you to, to shout out and just um, get angry at the darkness? Or does it cause you to bring the solution to the darkness, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What did Jesus come to do? He came to seek and to save that which is lost that was what pressed jesus and what pressed paul was i see the darkness all around me here in corinth and it pressed him to begin to boldly declare the gospel look there in verse number five and he testified to the jews that jesus was the christ he testified he bared uh, he bore witness to them he bore witness the idea of this bearing witness is a first-hand account so he's bearing witness to the to the jews first that Jesus is the Christ. Now, the fact is, you cannot bear witness to this world around us if you do not yet have a personal first-hand account of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Acts chapter number 9, Acts chapter number 9, and verse number 5, Paul says, Who art thou, Lord, when he appeared to him on the road of Damascus? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Wait a minute, he was persecuting the church. May those that are persecuting the believers in the world today, the church today, realize they're not persecuting people, they're persecuting Jesus Christ himself. And friends, don't you realize they will give an account to a holy God? Yes, they will. Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? What pricks? The conscience, the problems in his conscience. From that day forward, Paul is changed. He's believed on Jesus Christ, received him as a personal savior. God is changing him through three days of blindness as he just prays and seeks the Lord. But later on in that chapter, verse 19 and verse 20, we find, and when he received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, and straightway, I want you to catch this, and straightway he preached Christ. He preached Christ. I mean, we're talking days after he was saved. He's declaring the persecutor is now a preacher for Christ. The persecutor of the church is now proclaiming Jesus Christ to those that are in Damascus. He went up there to destroy them, but now he's, he's giving them life and liberty through Jesus Christ there in Damascus. He's preaching Christ. Christ. Well, he's still doing that here in Corinth. He's lifting up his voice and saying, hey, Jesus is the 
Christ. Well, why is that such a big deal? We hear the name Jesus Christ. We pray to Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray this. Amen. We talk about that all the time. But friends, do you realize the name Jesus identified him with Nazareth? His name Jesus meant Savior. But that wasn't as offensive as saying that Jesus was the Christ. What does Christ mean? It means the Messiah, the promised one. It is, it is taking all the Old Testament prophecies which the Jews believed and received, they, they, though they didn't always obey it, they believed it, and it's taking all those prophecies and saying they're all fulfilled in one person, and his name is Jesus the Christ, the promised one. And friends, the Messiah has come. The Messiah has come, and his name is Jesus, and he was declaring that. Paul was consumed with this. Why? Because it was a personal experience of his that he had on the road to Damascus. He had personally met Jesus. Have you personally met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Does it thrill your soul when we sing about it? It's just like his great love. Does it thrill your soul? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. Uh, does it throw your soul because you've personally met him today or in the past? So now Paul is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's lifting up his voice there in Corinth in a very sinful city, and he's preaching Jesus, the promised one. And may we be consumed, like, G, um, like um, Paul was, with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our, our uh, purpose as a church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have no other reason for existing but Matthew 28, 19 through 20. The Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That has to do with salvation. But then it goes on, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. So our purpose as a church is to engage in the complete fulfillment, not just preaching the gospel, but discipling people, the complete fulfillment of the great commission of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. We do that by connecting together, connecting people to Jesus Christ. We do that by connecting in this place and, and fellowshipping and encouraging and edifying one another and growing together, sharing the gospel out in our community sharing the gospel in our workplace and then serving one another in love we do all those things and so how important it is for us to be consumed with the same mission that consumed paul he was pressed in the spirit now you and i get aggravated about a lot of things but oh that we get pressed in the spirit this week about the gospel are you with me do you not sense the need for 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 your own response to that i i do we walk by lost people who are going to spend somewhere forever in hell. Forever somewhere. I should say heaven or hell. We walk by people, but those that are lost are going to spend forever in hell. Does that bother us to the point where it presses us like the Apostle Paul? They must hear and have a chance to receive the gospel. And so how important it is for us to be pressed and consumed with the same mission that he was. But let's move on. Paul continued there. He continued, and, and though that he was going to face a lot of opposition, notice this in verse number, eight, uh, verse number six, and when they opposed who? All right, everyone look at your Bibles now. And when they opposed who? Themselves and blasphemed. Sometimes we think that they're opposing us. No, they're opposing themselves. When a person opposes the gospel, friends, just understand, they're opposing themselves. They're hurting themselves. But I want you to notice these closed doors that Paul faced. He's there in the synagogue. He's preaching the gospel that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And they opposed themselves. 
And what does Paul do? He shakes off his raiment. He, 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 he shakes the dust off his raiment. Now, now what's going on there? Now, the Jews had a custom. When they'd be in a Gentile area, they did not like the Gentiles very much. In fact, they called them dogs. They wouldn't go through Samaria because they were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half-Gentile, and so they wouldn't go through Samaria. They'd go all the way around it. So they had an incredible hatred towards the, the Gentiles, and they would call them dogs. So Paul uses, and, and Jesus, this was at Jesus' uh, instruction, Paul uses the same custom they did to indicate, oh, hey, uh, I'm shaking the dust off of my feet, and I'm moving on. It was, it was quite a... a uh, a stunning statement on the part of the Apostle Paul in this place. It wasn't, it, it wasn't uh, you know, just kind of a mean statement, but it was a very deliberate statement to him. Listen, you've had this chance. Jesus is coming to you. You've had this chance. Luke 9 and verse number 5, and whosoever will not receive you, Jesus said, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust of your feet for a testimony against them. Listen, when we're going out this week and sharing the word of God, sharing his truth, not our truth, his truth, his absolute truth, this is unchanging, amen? Amen? We live in a society that doesn't believe in absolute truth anymore, right? And it's pulling apart, our, the fabric of our society is being pulled apart. Why? Because we don't believe in absolute truth, right? We don't believe that God is creator and we're accountable to him. We don't believe in male and female. Uh, we do, amen? All right? Uh, we believe that he's the creator. I, I shouldn't include us in, the, in that, but our society is really faltering on this. Why? Because absolute truth is being pulled apart. When we go out into the society, remember, they're accountable to God, not to us, to God, because it's his absolute truth. We have to keep that in mind. So Paul is sharing that, and now he is having to shake off the dust of his seat. Hey, this is on you. You've had the opportunity. This is now on you. And we should not be unkind when a, when a person rejects, but at the same time, it is their responsibility. In fact, our responsibility is to deliver Christ's message. Their responsibility is to receive Christ's message. Are you with me? Now, sometimes we get all bent out of shape because someone rejected the message of Christ and we're like, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to share the message anymore. But friends, it's our responsibility to deliver no matter their response. Let me say that again. It is our responsibility to deliver the message no matter their response. And we must be faithful at that. That is what we've been tasked to do. The message of the watchman in Ezekiel 33, the blood is not on our hands if we've delivered and been a faithful watchman, if we've delivered the, the warning call. And, and we must be delivering the warning call this week to lost friends and family and co-workers, delivering that message to them. Now, as Baptists, we believe in individual soul liberty or responsibility. What does that mean? Every person is responsible before God to make spiritual decisions or respond to his word. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God, Romans 14 and verse number 12. Every one of us, you, me, friends, I am responsible to deliver God's word the best I can possibly do with the help of the Holy Spirit to you. You're responsible to God to respond to him. We believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Your response is not my is not my responsibility. Your response is your responsibility. Respond to God as he's prompting in your heart. And so Paul is uh, dealing with these people who are, who are saying, nope, we don't want it. They're closing the doors, but closed doors lead to open doors. Don't get fixated on the opposition. Don't get fixated on the, 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 those that oppose. Get fixated on those that are open, have an open heart. And that's exactly what he does. He goes right next door. I love this. 
don't you? Like, he just leaves the synagogue and goes right next door. Let's see what the opportunity is over here. And so he goes to the house right next door, Justice's house, and uh, verse number seven and eight, uh, there's open doors there, and he preaches the gospel there. He enters there. This is a man who is very, uh, very uh, deliberate in his worship, uh, whether it was true worship or not, whether he understood all of God uh, or not, he, he comes to understanding at this point. Uh, it was a personal residence, and it just reminds me of the importance of not getting fixated on the masses. The number one question a pastor gets asked is, how big is your church? I can just mark it down, someone meets me, and they start talking about the, how big is your church. That's like the number one, one question. Why? Because bigger is better in America, right? Everything's bigger and better. But do you know what even here, Paul focused on one individual's home, and it led to breaking open Corinth. So sometimes we, d- we underestimate how small something is, and while this won't make that much of an impact, that's exactly where God's going to make it the impact. Isn't that amazing? So he goes here, justice uh, comes to the Lord, and then this former ruler of the synagogue comes to the Lord. I mean, <laughs> how amazing is that? He believed, he trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, not in works anymore. That's what their religion was at that point. It was a system of works, system of law-keeping. And I find it interesting how the Justice and Crispus were in such close proximity to the religion of the day, one of the main religions of the day, and yet their heart had not been changed. They had no hope in their heart, and they were seeking more. And I just am reminded that just because something is called a religion does not mean it's effective. It does not mean it's true. It does not mean it gives real, lasting answers. And uh, there are still many today that are disillusioned by big religion. And friends, it's found in Jesus Christ. Exactly what Justice and Crispus found in Jesus Christ. Uh, those that are trapped in religions of today that are systems of works and um, performance and, and trying to be good enough for God, uh, they will find in Jesus Christ rest and peace and total forgiveness and, and the salvation that he offers. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be declaring to people? Talk about, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He offers rest. And that day, justice and Crispus found rest. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. And so Crispus came to the Lord because uh, Paul had been faithfully going to the synagogue before uh, Silas and Timotheus came and, and working the gospel, teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, communicating, having conversations. Now Crispus has come to the Lord. He's believed on Jesus Christ. He's not believing on his own, on, on his own works. He's believed on Jesus Christ, and now it's opening up the way into, the, into uh, Corinth for many more to be saved. That's, that's just our God. That's how our God works. I was communicating with a missionary down in Honduras uh, yesterday and the day before uh, who's just been down there for a couple of years. Today's the first day that they're, they're starting their church. They got a building. They started with a Bible study and God has just been blessing. They've been having baptisms. They have baptisms happening today. I think they're two hours behind us, if I, uh, I might have that wrong, but they're two hours different from us, and, and so they're having their first service down there in Honduras, and God is the one that just brings all that together, and how awesome it is when he opens the doors. In fact, the, the missionary told me, he says, uh, I said, well, that is just wonderful, and he says, it's all a God thing. It's all a God thing, and that's so true. God's the one that opens up the doors as we faithfully follow him forward. So one closed door, catch this, one closed door led to 
many open doors. Justice, Crispus, and now Corinth. Many there. Did you see that in, in our verse? Verse number, uh, verse number eight. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Believed and were baptized. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not save you, amen? Salvation is by faith through grace alone. In Jesus Christ alone, baptism is simply our public declaration of the inward decision that we've made between us and Jesus Christ. Baptism is, I am publicly declaring to anyone who wants to watch, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm identifying with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that's what baptism is about. So they were saved by believing in Jesus Christ alone. And uh, not just, I believe in Jesus. Uh, If you notice that that picture there just a moment ago, uh, is a total belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a total belief, it's a total resting on the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can do nothing to build a bridge to God. Nothing. Your works will fall quite short and you'll spend an eternity apart from God if you're going, trying to get to heaven based on your works. But if it's based on Jesus Christ, he, he bridged the gulf between you and, uh, you and, and God, and what a, an amazing thing it is that he offers to you. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And many of the Corinthians believed that day. And so what did Paul do? Catch it. He pivoted from the closed doors to the open doors. Sometimes we get so focused. Well, that door's closed, and uh, I, I, I might as well not just go on. And, and this is so discouraging, and we lose days of our life because we get so fixated on the closed door. Paul pivoted. Where's the open door? Where's the open door? And when he stepped through that, God gave him more open doors. Friends, let's seek the open doors this week. Who is God opening up to you this week? Where's the open door? And it may not look like the greatest opportunity, but go through it and obey God in that way. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries, he told the Corinthians later in the letter to Corinth. There is a great door that's opened up. A great door. In 2 Corinthians, he speaks about an open door. And and out of Troas and in Colossians, he talks about praying, that we should all pray for open doors. And we should do that just like the Apostle Paul did. But I want us to lastly see this. Paul and what was happening there in Corinth was not just a snapshot of his life. It was not just this, this little snapshot. Really, what was going on in Paul's life, this was a characteristic that was going on in his life. Would you see that Paul as well was very committed to the ministry ongoing? Because we find in verse number 9 that Paul receives this vision from the Lord, and then he stays in the city for a period of time. Let's first look at this vision and realize that Paul, as he was committed to the ministry, he received specific direction from God. Specific. uh, From God's word. And it says there in in verse number 9, and Paul, in the night, by a vision, the Lord came to him, be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. This vision was divine revelation for Paul. For Paul. It was divine revelation. God was communicating his word, specific revelation to Paul. There's one command, there's three promises. What's the command? Can you help me out here this morning? What's the command there in the, this vision, this revelation from God? What's the command? What is Paul being told to do? Speak. Speak. Okay, there, there's that, there's that uh, command as well. Don't be afraid. Uh, but, but speak. I want you to stay here, and I want you to speak here in this, this city. Speak, and don't hold your peace. Now, he goes on, and he says a few things about himself. He says, I am with you. You don't need to be afraid. I am with you. 
Uh, you don't need to be afraid. There's no man that's going to set on you to hurt you. You're protected. You don't need to be afraid, and you don't need to wonder what my purpose here is in the city. I have much people to come to me in this, in this city. So speak, Paul. Speak. Declare my word. This word speak is to simply express with words. Do you know what Paul was not told to do? Go into the city and just live a lifestyle that, that would be uh, godly and just attract people to Jesus that way. Do you know where I'm going with this? Do you understand? You will not find in Scripture the idea of living a lifestyle and that being the only way that people come to Jesus Christ. Our lifestyle, Philippians 1.27, is to back up the gospel that we preach, but we must speak. Listen, it is God's will for every single one of us this week to declare Jesus Christ somewhere, somehow. Are you with me about that? It's God's will. He wants us to speak. He wants us to declare the gospel. Are you looking for that open door? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And why do we have to not be afraid about that? Because I am with you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so you might say, well, if God spoke directly to me like that, I would do anything that God said. I would do anything. He already has, friend. Hold up your Bible. You have a tablet that you're uh, seeing it on? Hold it up. This is God's word to you. Do you realize the reason that God does not come to us in visions anymore? He does prompt by his Holy Spirit, but the reason he doesn't come to us in visions anymore is because he's delivered his word to us. There's nothing to be added to this. This has all things that pertain to life and to godliness. All right, so if you're looking for God to come to you in a vision... Uh, you, might, you might get a dream after eating some pizza, but understand that God has already given you the word of God. And I, I should also say, you need to really run when someone starts saying, I have heard from, I had a vision last night. This is the word of God. This is what God has given to us to direct us in this, in this life. And so uh, God has spoken to you clearly. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel no that's just for the disciples no that's for all believers uh, acts 1 8 you're my witnesses my witnesses both in jerusalem judea samaria the uttermost parts of the earth you're my witnesses everywhere you go and we uh, have a more sure word of prophecy peter says this he was recounting being up on the Mount of Transfiguration and seeing all that God did in Jesus' life. And he says, oh, that was really amazing to be there. But he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy referring to the word of God. More sure word. This is certain. This is true. This is, this is final. And it's for us today. And you have received from the Lord the same word that Paul has. Go, speak. Don't be afraid. I have many people in the city. What did Jesus tell us? Don't say there's four months until the harvest. Look, lift up your eyes. Look on the harvest, for it's white already the harvest. There's some open door for you this week. Praise the Lord. There's some open door. Let's look for that open door. And by the way, as we consider this matter of the Bible being our authority, another reason or distinctive as Baptists, we believe in biblical authority. It's not me that has authority over you. It's the word that has authority over you. My, my authority or my confidence has to come from this word. And so as Baptists, we believe that here it is. The Bible is authority. Now let's go and look for those open doors. But I want us to see, lastly, what does Paul do in response to this word from God for him, the specific direction? He makes a steadfast decision, verse 11. 
And he continued there a year and six months. What? Teaching the word of God among them. He was obedient. He continued. He stayed in place. Wait a minute. They're not really happy with you over the synagogue. You're coming up in their sermons and you're coming up in their, uh, in their deliberations on how to you know, handle things going on in the city, how to handle this, this rabble-rouser. You're coming up by name over there. No, he continued. He made a decision as the tense of the word. He made a decision. And in verse number 18, he again made a decision to tarry there and stay on there. Do you know this was not the safe, this was not the easy, and this was not the popular decision for Paul to make? We Americans have really, really come out of sync with, with God's mission, with Christ's mission in the world. We think if it's safe, if it's easy, and if it's popular, I'll preach the gospel. Paul, stay in the city and preach the gospel. Speak. Doesn't mean to be demeaning. In fact, friends, we are to, according to Ephesians 4 and verse number 15, speak the truth in love. May God help us with that. May we not turn away people because we've been been hurtful or caustic in our statements. May we be very careful to exalt the Lord Jesus and, uh, and exemplify the love of the Lord Jesus. But this wasn't safe and easy and popular for the Apostle Paul. In verse 12 through 17, as we read, Galileo was the, um, the deputy. And so now the Jews are making an insurrection, right? We hear that word being thrown around. Uh, we, the, here's this in, uh, insurrection that was actually happening. They're trying to, uh, to really get after, after Paul. And by the way, uh, make sure that you don't just, just follow the news and, you know, as they throw that word around and be wary of how, that, how the news of insurrection comes at certain times and then drops off and then it comes back and, and so on. There, there's things at work in our world today that are not all honest, okay? How many, how many agree with me on that? So just be discerning. You have the Spirit of God in your heart, be discerning. Be discerning. Because there's, there's a whole lot of lying and deceiving that is going on in our world today. So here's this, this, this uprising that's going on in the city. The Jews are mad. And so, and, and by the way, let me just say, because I've, 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 we're focusing in, but I, I, I should not go past this. The Bible says, bless them, uh, God blesses them that bless Israel, right? That comes from Genesis chapter number 12. We are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I had a meeting this week with a, with a man that is seeking to help, uh, help organizations combat anti-Semitism. It is on the rise in our country. So what I'm saying here is I'm just describing what was going on in that city. They were mad against Paul but I, I, I am not in any way disparaging uh, them as a group of people. We are to bless them and pray that they will return to God. I pray that they'll receive the Messiah. And every time I get a chance to witness to a person that is Jewish and, and, and uh, in their, uh, their background, I, I want them to come to the Messiah. We want to pray for them in that way. But they were mad against, uh, against uh, Paul. And uh, so the, this uprising has happened, and they bring him to the legal authorities, who is Galileo. And so you understand that Galileo is like, hey, listen, I don't see any wrong. I don't see this some legal, uh, legal criminal uh, thing that's happened here. So I don't want to deal with it. You guys, you guys deal with it. And so he drives them. He's like, get out of town. Like, get out of my, get out of my area. And they were at the judgment seat, which is the Bema seat. You might have heard of that, a Bema seat. They're at this judgment seat there in Corinth. And this is where Galileo is passing down official legal uh, declarations, and that's very interesting. The, it is a site of litigation in which a judge 
uh, is present to preside over legal issues, and so he's there. Now, what's important about this part of Scripture is Galileo uh, uh, was, the, uh, was a Roman proconsul. He was a governor of Achaia, so he had great authority there. Any judgment that he uttered would establish legal precedent. I want you to see what God's doing here. Okay, so there's an uprising. Now they're in front of a, a, a judge that could establish legal precedent. By the way, there's great risk here. It could go either way for the, um, for the believers there in, in Corinth. It could go either way for Paul. So uh, Galileo was a brother to, to Seneca, a philosopher, of great influence in Rome. So this is quite an influential individual. But Galileo's verdict, he says, I'm not judging on this matter. This is your issue. I'm not dealing with it. And effectively, effectively uh, established the credibility of Christianity in Corinth and in the Roman area. His his verdict coming down uh, did not squash Christianity. He's like, hey, this isn't my matter. This isn't a matter for a a Roman proconsul to uh, to, uh, to get involved with and effectively established or uh, gave credence to Christianity. And friends, that's amazing because the Roman world didn't just allow any other religion. Who did they worship? Caesar. And so here you have it, this Galileo saying, I don't want to deal with it. And God allowed for the high court in that area to say, Christianity has, has, uh, has credibility. That's amazing. That's very amazing for that day. And I think even in our day, as we think of different things, we think about how uh, churches especially were closed down in California and how they were fined and, and there were uh, government officials out there uh, uh, measuring between, uh, between people and making sure that they were all fo- uh, following that. Understand this, that in the last several months when the, when the Supreme Court of our country uh, uh, awarded Pastor uh, Chi out in California, when they awarded the, the winning of that, that court case establishing religious liberty for four churches across the nation. Well, much religious liberty has been infringed upon in our nation over the last two years. Do understand, God has turned the tables many times in different courts, many times in different courts, and said, nope, nope, not here. And I think it's pretty awesome that some of the churches, even in California, have been repaid their fines that they had to pay. That's pretty amazing. And God turns the tables. He's still doing that today in this world. Don't underestimate. God is not done. The, 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 the pages of Scripture might be finished being written, but the fact of the matter is God's, God's work is not done in the world today. We still live in, uh, in the age where Christ is triumphing by his Spirit through his church. It just floors my heart and encourages me immensely. Let's keep going forward no matter what's going on around us. No matter the opposition, let's, like Paul, oh, there's a closed door, let's find the open door. Oh, I'm now in legal trouble, let's continue to be bold for the Lord. In fact, Paul didn't even have a chance to speak before Galileo says, hey, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, this, this, this looks okay to me. Deal with it on your own. And uh, then I think the funniest thing in, in Scripture has a way of, uh, of, uh, of giving us humor but do you notice here how Sosthenes, the leader, ends up being the one that the Greeks uh, take to task and, and, uh, and give him a, a bit of a beating up? And so it's not Paul, it is now Sosthenes on the hot seat there at the Bema seat. And uh, it is, it is a, a bad day for, uh, for that insurrection that happened on that day against Christianity. And so here's the question for us. Are we going to remain steadfast in the middle of opposition are we going to remain committed to the word even when it's not safe, it's not easy, and it's not popular like Paul did? Friends, I, I'm not the only pastor that's talking about the persecution that is looming our way. 
Are you going to remain committed to the ministry and committed to the ministry of the word and committed to Jesus Christ even when it's not safe, it's not popular, and it's not easy? Paul did, and look what God did for him. As we go forward in these days, let me remind you, let's be witnessing everywhere. May 14th, we're going to gather together. We're really going to start strategically going out into our area at 1 p.m. that day. That's a Saturday. Going out and uh, spreading the news about Adventure Camp and spreading the news about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is there's one-on-one discipleship to be committed to. There is so much that we can do to be committed like Paul was, even when it's not safe, not easy, not convenient, and not popular. Reminded of the Ukrainian pastors right now uh, over in Ukraine, many of whom have stayed over there. I uh, received this, this picture. A man just continuing to share the gospel over there. Not safe, not easy, not popular. But let's be like these type of brethren that continue forward. Let's be like a Paul who looks for the open doors when other doors are closing. Look for the open doors. Look for the open doors. Why? Because our triumphant, conquering Christ is the one who opens the doors. He's the one that opens the doors. And we can expect that. Now, we can't expect it as long as we're fixated on the closed door. We say, all right, Lord, where do you want me to go? That person said no to the gospel, where do you want me to go? Are you with me on that? Can we do that this week? Can we apply that into our lives this week? Let's look for those open doors. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Our Father, we're grateful for the fact that you are the conquering Savior. You conquered sin, death, and hell. We're also grateful that you're still opening doors in this world today. And we need your help this week as your people to walk through those open doors, not to get fixated on the closed doors, not to get distracted or discouraged by them, but to get fixated on, on the open doors and to focus, to look for them, to seek them, to pray for them as, as Paul did, so that we might be useful to you in this life. And I pray that you'd help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed, I want to ask us a few questions this morning i first want to talk to you do you know today that you are saved do you have a first-hand account like paul like a crispus of receiving jesus christ believing on him alone for the salvation of your sins for the salvation from your sins how many you'd say today pastor i know for certain i know for certain that all of my sins are forgiven that i have a home in heaven not because of me because i place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? I know for certain that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ and my faith in him. Amen. Amen. Many hands. If you could not raise your hand, I'd encourage you to think about this. The Bible says that we all are sinners. Yes, we all are sinners. We've all sinned against the holy God. No matter how much you've sinned, we've all sinned compared to the perfection of Almighty God. He requires absolute righteousness, absolute holiness, absolute sinlessness in order to be in his presence. That's impossible. And so he sent his son to die in your place for your sin at the cross. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will admit, yes, I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ is righteous. I believe he died in my place for my sin that person, that person will be the one who is saved. Romans 10, 13. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I can't save you. I wish I could, but I can't. It is a heart decision on your part. Maybe you're here today and don't know for certain that you're saved. Could I encourage you to pray a prayer like this? Again, my prayer won't, won't save you. 
But could I encourage you to pray a prayer like this from your heart to Jesus? Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are God. I believe that you died for all of my sins and rose again. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask you to be my personal Savior right now. I place 100% of my trust in you to come into my life and to give me new life and take me to heaven someday. I accept your free gift of eternal life. Thank you for keeping your promise and answering this prayer. With your heads bowed, did anyone here today said, Pastor, I prayed that because I did not know for certain that I was going to heaven, but I want that salvation. I prayed that to God from my heart. I meant it from my heart, and I prayed that to him. No one looking around, but is there anyone here today say, I've trusted Jesus Christ. I've, I've called out to him like he told me to. Do you just put your hand up and put it back down? Amen. Look forward to meeting you afterwards. I want to encourage you, following Jesus Christ is the greatest journey of one's life. It's just the start. Trusting in him is the, just the start. He has so much, so much for you. And God's people said, amen. He certainly does. He's a good Lord to follow. Hey, can I ask you these questions, church? Those that are saved, can I ask you these questions? Am I preoccupied in my heart with the spiritual needs of people around me? Can you say, yes, I, I'm pressed in my spirit? When a door closes for the gospel in one area, do I look for that other open door? Am I willing to remain committed to communicating God's word even when it's not safe, easy, and, and popular? Am I willing to be committed in that way? I'd like for us all to stand to our feet. I'm going to give an opportunity for us to pray here this morning, here at the altar or there in your seats. And here's what I'd like for you to pray. I'd like for you to pray in this way. I'd like you to ask, if you're a believer here today, You've received Jesus Christ today. I'd like for you to ask God, God, would you lead me to those open doors and pray right now before you leave, Lord, I want to see that open door. I want to find that open door. I want to be alert for that. Listen, that's why we're here in this world, to look for those. And so let's do business with the Lord. Can you come or uh, pray there at your seats, wherever you'd like to pray, but let's pray and ask God for those open doors. Right now, as the music plays, let's do that. All across the auditorium, let's just find our knees and pray and seek the Lord in that. Lord, I want that open door. I'm, I, I need that open door with that coworker. Would you open up his heart? Whoever it is, let's pray for that. Amen. Pray believing that God's going to do that. That is a prayer. That is a prayer that is his will. Colossians 4 and verse number 3. Oh, we are to pray for those open doors. Pray for doors of utterance. God, give me that open door. And when you give it to me, help me to walk through it. In fact, God, if, if I'm struggling to walk through it, throw me through it.
you need to be saved or baptized or want to join the church, I encourage you to also consider coming this morning. Father, I pray for your people right now. We sure do love you. We are the sheep of your pasture. We don't deserve anything, but you have saved us. You've given us a mission in this world that is so far beyond us. It's an eternal mission. And we give you praise for that. Lord, now I pray for uh, those that have prayed this morning, who have sought you this morning, asking for an open door. Honor that, I pray. And pray that it would be so evident and clear. Lord, would your people rejoice as they have open doors to communicate your word like Paul did. Give them boldness, Lord. Give them boldness to do it for your glory's sake. And we pray that we'd see souls come to stay unto the Savior this week because of your people honoring your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's be seated just for a moment. And uh, we have Chloe here who's come, I'm coming for church membership. And uh, I want you, Chloe, uh, Chloe Legrand, and if you have not met Amantha, I'd like for you just to share your salvation testimony in brief. So that, uh, and, and I know the ladies have all included you, and, and so uh, you continue to include her. If you've not met her yet today, please meet her and uh, get to know her. Share Hello your testimony. Hello, everyone. I was um, saved, and I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ at the age of eight years old in uh, Baptist Church in Sparta, Kentucky. And I've always uh, felt that I had a great relationship with God, but it's been kind of parallel along with my life. It's it's not really set its path in the same exact way. Um, and here recently, I've had a change of heart, and I don't exactly know where it came from or how it happened, but now it feels that there's possibly an emptiness in my heart that can only be filled by God, and I am hungry for his word, and my spirit is hungry for that, and I'm ready for those parallel paths to meet. It's not just... I'm not just looking for a church for my young daughter to learn these values. I'm, I'm now wanting to be here because my spirit is hungry to be here. Amen. Amen. So you're saved at the age of eight, is what you had mentioned to me, mm -hmm. and then um, baptized uh, some point thereafter? Yes, at Amen. the age of eight. <laughs> and then, as, as with many of our lives, I, I imagine many of you can identify with the uh, life wanders, right? Uh, and and not always listening to the Lord, but the Lord is so gracious, isn't he? Just to pull us back. So gracious, He's yes. a restoring Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so we've talked over church membership here, and I uh, just remind us that church membership is a commitment to Jesus Christ. We believe we're added to his, his church, but it's a commitment to a body of doctrine and a body of believers. And so may I just underscore to us that in church membership, we always want a culture of of humility, we're all growing in comparison to Jesus Christ, correct? So none of us say, well, I'm, I'm further along than you. The fact is, we're all growing compared to Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, second, a culture of kindness, not criticism, because we want to build each other up, edify one another. Third, a culture of love. That's unconditional love. That's the same love. And you know what? Jesus could have given up on us so many times before. <laughs> How many of you are with me about that? He could give up on us so many times, but he doesn't. And so that's how the church ought to be as well. And so we want to follow forward. We want to keep growing like is our, our purpose. But uh, she's come today uh, to join our church. Do I have a first to that, uh, to, uh, to that motion? Or do I have a motion to that? Yes, back here, a second to that motion. Brother Betry, all in favor, say aye. aye. 
opposed by the same sign? All right, amen. Welcome to our church. Miss Casey, if you would do, you've, you've been so well to, uh, to host her and, and to get to know her. Would you take her out by the coffee station here in just a moment? And uh, would you uh, come by and give her the right hand of fellowship, get to know her, and uh, ask her how she, you can pray for her, okay? So would you do that um, and just be out there right there? Thank you and welcome to our church. Um, tonight, 6 o'clock, our evening service. We're looking forward to that. Uh, please read the bulletin and uh, follow the announcements that are there, right? Uh, can you do that? Can you do that? Can we all read this morning? That would be a wonderful thing. Let's stand to our feet. And here, I, wanna, I want you also to meet somebody else. Uh, Mr. Joe Blystone is with us today. He and his wife are here today. And Mr. Blystone is running for governor in our state. You might see the, uh, the, uh, the uh, cowboy hat and, uh, on, on different signs. He's running here. He asked if he could stop by. And so I said, you're welcome to stop by and, uh, and meet and greet. Uh, with folks out in the lobby, and so he gives profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, he, uh, he was saved in a Baptist church as a, a youngster, Baptist camp, Baptist church camp. And so, and where did you go to church up in? It's uh, Grace Baptist Methodist. See, that Grace Baptist thing keeps coming up there. <laughs> anyway, would you, would you make him feel welcome as well? We're going to dismiss the service, but uh, he'll be out in the lobby if, if, if you wouldn't mind going out in the lobby and uh, just meet him, and if you have any questions for him, now's your time to ask him right now. And uh, by the way, I'll just say, every, every believer ought to vote on May 3rd. Amen? Amen? Amen. And if you do not know who to vote for or how to vote, uh, that is a decision between you and God, right? He's given you that, but at the same time, it does require you do homework. Now, we, we talked, had a God and Country briefing last Sunday night, and so if, if there is a, a little bit more information out there, but you can also find iVoter, uh, iVoterGuide.com, but I just encourage you, be prepared. You have one day, a day and a half to be prepared. You say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Your vote is a big deal, all right? Uh, other people believe that. God's people should believe that. Be salt and light everywhere. I will see you tonight. 5.30 for prayer, 6 o'clock for the service. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.